Welcome to Take Your Lead Podcast with Mzwandele Makakula, a podcast that seeks to empower you to take charge over your personal growth, development, as well as your emotional well-being. Welcome to Take Your Lead Podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us and that you are part of a community of leaders who are intentional and purposeful about their growth. We're so excited for the year 2022. We've got phenomenal guests who will be joining us, who will be helping us grow. And one of the beautiful things I've learned over time about leadership is that leadership is not dependent on the context that you find yourself in. In fact, as we often say, that personal leadership is so key and so pivotal in that it translates into every area of functioning. And on today's podcast, we're joined by a terrific guest who I'm so glad to have, who is more in the finance space, however, uh, has stepped out of the shell and is doing tremendous things in different spheres of leadership and empowering the next generation. Funny enough, I met her through a mutual friend or mutual mentee. A beautiful lady that I coach and she's been on my case about one of her mentors as well in her professional career and I'm so glad that she facilitated this conversation that we're going to be having today with Gadegani, a phenomenal finance professional with more than eight years experience in banking and is currently the strategic lead at RMB where she's responsible for a number of key strategies across different geographies in the invest business. She's also a startup mentor, which is part of what we'll talk to within the mentorship space under the Shanduka Black Umbrellas Mentorship Program. And I'm so impressed by the fact that she's actually in Oxford University's alumni mentorship program, and she's got her MBA from uh, Oxford University, which we'll definitely speak to. And she's just doing amazing things. She has also co-founded and led an NGO called Shaping Our Next Generation which focuses on empowering girl learners from disadvantaged communities. So Kategani is committed to empowering the youth and is passionate about education and supporting small businesses and startups alike. She's an explorer at heart. And most probably, if you're not finding her at work, you will possibly find her on a hiking trail or somewhere uh, in the world learning a new language. And I think that speaks to the life of a leader, always stretching and growing and learning. Welcome, Katekani, and thank you so much for joining us on Take Your Lead podcast. Thank you for having me, today. Uh, great to be here, and I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. Just maybe um, I'm, I'm, I, I, you are known as an avid learner and someone who's always learning something new. Uh, what's the latest thing that you're learning? What are you currently learning in the season of your life as we enter into 2022? Yeah, I think, um, you know, whenever we talk the topic around learning, people automatically think, you know, domain specific learning. So either finance or, um, you know, something, you know, related to my career. But over the last two years, I've been doing a lot of personal work um, and just investing in myself. So last year, um, I started doing therapy, actually, something that, you know, we, mm. we don't bring up or don't talk about as often. Um, and I started reading a, a lot of books around, um, so Dr. Caroline Leaf, for example, um, yes. she's someone who I've been listening to quite a lot. So definitely doing a lot of, um, 
you know, work on self-awareness and, and asking the tough questions, who am I, why am I here, what am I doing things? So a lot of the learning that I've been doing has really been centered around me as a person and, and just trying to be a better um, individual, you know, working on mm. how I think, how I approach relationships, mm. working on how I respond to situations, how I manage my emotions on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis, how I speak to myself. Um, mm. And these are things that, you know, when we start a new year, people automatically think you need to come up with a new thing to work on. And, <laughs> yeah. and I just, I, I feel that, well, I felt God inspiring me to say, it's about reinforcement. What you started last wow. year, go into a reinforcement, you know, um, build on what you learned and, and just strengthen those things. So I'm definitely still on that path of, um, you know, just personal development and, and, and just being a, a better person and being more self-aware and conscious mm -hmm. about what I do, who am I, what I think, etc. Wow, that's amazing. Um, just can I double click on this? Um, and as comfortable as you are within being vulnerable, you spoke to how, because I obviously also fell into the category of those who thought maybe it's learning um, something career specific, as you mentioned, but you are intentionally learning outside your comfort or your scope, in that you spoke to seeing a therapist. And there's a myth oftentimes of uh, people thinking that you have to go to a coach because you're struggling or you have to go to a therapist or a counselor because you're struggling. And however, I've seen over time that most high achievers actually do have, in fact, when it comes to coaching, the most talented and most paid or the most valuable players actually are valuable because they've got a coach. And, and, and how has this helped you now uh, personally? Because I think this speaks a lot to your personal development and growth, as you said. And, but how has this now affected how you show up at work, how you show up as a daughter, how you show up as a friend, and the different domains of life where you find yourself in? Yeah, I mean, that's a very great question. So one of the things that led me to therapy was, you know, just feeling that I was struggling with engaging with various people in my life or just I was struggling with knowing how to maneuver the relationships I have. You know, in a relationship, whether it's father, daughter, mother, daughter, friend, partner, whatever it is, there's two people and, and there's only so much you can do as a person. Mm -hmm. And there was just a lot of frustration on my side where I felt I'm doing this. I'm not getting this result. It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. What do I do? This person is doing this. Um, and, and that's how my therapy basically started. And, um, I think with all the emotions of COVID and I was missing. So I, I actually took time off to go do my MBA in Oxford and then I came back. So six wow. months into my MBA, we got stuck in a COVID ridden environment. <laughs> and I think what COVID did for me was just to take me back and force me to reflect on life a lot. So when mm -hmm. I came back to South Africa eventually, um, and I decided to do therapy, I was just at a, I was, I felt like I was more in tune with how I was feeling more than everything. Mm. So every single emotion I was feeling, every thought I was zoning into. So I just wanted someone to guide me into how do I manage that? And I think how wow. that has translated into, you know, my life on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis has been amazing. So for example, just to, to give you one thing, um, I'm, I'm an overachiever and it's something that I'm also working on to say, why are you an overachiever and how do you respond to failure? So, you know, I'm someone who wants to wake up very early in the mornings. 
And sometimes it's, a, it's, it's impractical to do so because maybe I've had a very late evening because I was working and, and you know, waking up early is not gonna be practical. And if I wake up late, I would really talk down on myself. I would really beat myself up, beat myself up about it. Say, how could mm -hmm. you not wake up? Mm -hmm. And these are the types of conversations that I thought they are unhealthy. I can't be talking to myself like this because mm. I'm already starting the, the day telling myself I'm a failure, making mm. myself feel like I'm a failure. Mm. And it was just not the day. It literally was just that morning but now the day is ruined right mm. so one thing i've started doing is to compartmentalize my day into compartments or segments to say this mm. morning this afternoon this evening mm. if my morning was not that great i'm going to learn from it i'm going to do better my afternoon and my evening it's another opportunity to be the best version of myself Brilliant. so that's some of the things some of the ways in which you know having started therapy and starting conversations and just speaking to a third person who questions why you do what you do. You know, my mm. therapist basically asked me, why do you want to wake up early? Why do you think you have to wake up early? And sometimes we read so many books and we listen to so many resources and we impose it upon ourselves to live life according to a certain way. Mm. So therapy has definitely helped me to, to, I guess, personalize my journey, make it about yes. myself. You know, if someone says there's a 5 a.m. club, it might not work for me. It might work mm. for someone else. Mm. But, you know, for me, a 5 a.m. club might not work and it's okay. What works for me? Oh, so yeah. it's, it's a lot of those being conscious about how I live my life and how I opt into things. So that's been one of the ways in which, it's, you know, therapy has impacted my life. That's amazing. Thank you so much for, for, for sharing that. And I all the best on the journey that you're on. And, and it's a journey. I think, as you said, that it you is. found yourself having to literally navigate relationships and yeah. engage with different people. I was actually saying this recently to someone as to how, especially being a high achiever or being intellectually smart, and there's a place and time for IQ. Uh, yeah. predominantly in your high schooling and yeah. maybe a bit of tertiary but in the world of work it's really EQ that becomes important and being yeah. able to navigate those relationships and being able to understand to regulate yourself you said something so profound um, and thank you for that mention of the book that you read by Dr. Carolyn Leaf my wife loves her so much and mm. we do encourage her material is amazing and, and you said something to speaking to being more self-aware, which is one of the reasons you are literally growing in this area. Uh, yeah. Maybe speak to us about the importance and how you've seen the importance of self-awareness in a life of a leader or in a life of an individual, because I think it's very key in any context, in any context. Yeah, self-aware is, is something that I also stumbled upon recently as you know, I've been reading quite a lot. And, and I think it's just about being conscious of what you are doing. We've, mm -hmm. you know, we were raised in a particular way and a lot of us grow up in families where you eat what is cooked, you know, yeah. you sleep when it's time to sleep and you do mm -hmm. things that are done in the family. But as we get older, you know, we, we pick up our own habits and, and we live life how we want to live life. And sometimes um, it's influenced by where we come from, but sometimes we chart our own paths. So, so for me, the importance of that was just to not find myself on a train that was going autopilot or a flight that was going autopilot that was mm. informed by how I grew up and, mm. you know, the experiences I had uh, growing up. I really wanted to, 
make things, uh, make different decisions, make better decisions mm. or make more informed decisions. So mm. I wanted to be able to, to think about things, you know, why do I eat pap every day? Is it because we grew <laughs> up eating pap at home? So now as an adult in my own home, why am I eating pap for dinner every day? <laughs> you know, so it's simple things like that. Um, wh- how much of how you live your life is imposed Mm. by mm. by how you grew up how you are raised and your environment but another key thing for me around self-awareness was I just felt that you know one thing that therapy taught me was just to get to the root of things get to mm. the root of why you do things so I one thing I picked up in therapy was that I'm a people pleaser mm. so that can definitely introduce interesting dynamics into any relationship whether mm. at work or personally Mm. And I had to work through that. So being self-aware mm. in that particular discussion around being a people pleaser, it was me saying, am I saying yes to this person because genuinely it's a yes, or mm. I am saying yes to this person because I want to maintain the, the state of this relationship so that it's favorable to me because that's how, wow. what, that's how people pleasers approach things. And mm. it's subconscious. It's mm. things that you mm. do, but you know, if you don't sit and follow the trail of thought, you won't realize that you're actually doing that. You know, you're only saying yes, because you want to maintain the status of this relationship so that it serves you. So in actual Mm. fact, you are saying yes out of a selfish Mm. perspective. Mm. So self-awareness, for me, it's important in that it it teaches you to understand the why of things, but only if you allow it. Because the deeper you go, the harder the questions become. And the harder the answers are, you need to be honest with yourself. So for me to openly say I'm a people pleaser, I was a people pleaser, I'm still learning and growing. I wouldn't have said that three years ago. Mm. But because I've learned and I've grown, it's something that I can openly share on. um, And it's I I think it's it's a conversation that many people don't talk about. Wow. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, KH <laughs> or Kate. I know your names are um, guys. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. For, for, for your authenticity and your vulnerability, it's really so, so, so meaningful. Um, because I think it is very important what you're saying. Because if you if if you don't know yourself, you 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 it's hard for you to show up as your best self in in, in any place. You can literally change work environments change countries change locations change spouses you can change literally everything but wherever you are you're left with yourself and asking yourself those hard difficult questions as you said uh, which are very key and shape how we think um, yeah I mean I mean from from a career point of view to give another example when I started Mm. working um, a few years ago a lot of my friends I found were changing jobs and moving companies and I started asking myself, is there something wrong with my boss? Because everyone was complaining about their bosses. So I thought, am mm. I missing something about my boss? Um, should I move <laughs> companies? And until I got to a point where I said to myself, no, I'm okay. I love what I'm mm. doing. I, my job is actually delivering on, on what I'm expecting of it to. I'm growing oh. and I'm learning. I don't have to move. And I think sometimes mm. when we don't sit and ask why, I would have moved because if I had not sat, I would have moved and I would have you know, just said, okay, let's move because it looks like everyone else is moving around and changing jobs. Um, you know, but, but it's, it's helped me on, on the career front as well to, to just mm. reflect at a lot and say, you know, what, 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 what is it about me that works for this environment and what is it about this environment that works for me? And it's okay, this environment 
can work for me, but it doesn't have to work for the other person. That is also mm. okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the why that you're speaking to. There's a brilliant book by Simon Sinek, which I'm sure you might have read, The Why. Um, yeah. which, which I think is very important for everyone just to know their why. Uh, in fact, my, one of my mentors speaks of why as a spice, which like separates Nando's chicken from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Same chicken, yeah. but that spice separates the taste. And yeah. I think conforming, it's easier for you to conform and yeah. to, to, to compromise your principles if you don't know your why or if you're not self-aware as a leader. Yeah. True. You spoke something so so, so key. Um, I'm just going to backtrack a bit to, to what you said in terms of um, your therapy session and we'll close the part of the therapy, but there's quite a lot that's coming out. And thank you for going there because if you didn't go there, you wouldn't be learning so much from your <laughs> journey. <laughs> um, you spoke to how one of the things uh, that you discovered or are discovering was your fear of failure, uh, being a high achiever. Um, mm. How would you say failure has shaped your life and has shaped the person that you've become? Yeah, I think, you know, the more I learn about myself and obviously reflect, um, I think it's, for me, failure was not an option, right? Um, mm. I come from two very <laughs> polar opposite families. My one, my dad's out of the family, academics, um, you know, teachers, everyone went to school. My mom's out of the family. People were more entrepreneurial, doing their own thing. Um, and I think a lot of my influences definitely came from both sides of the family, quite interestingly. I think my, my mom's side of the family, which was more entrepreneurial, there was that pressure that, you know, you are such a star achiever. They made a big deal about distinctions that I got and my marks. It was such a big thing. Um, mm. You know, and on my dad's side of the family where you know, there's a lot of academics, um, you know, there you could not be an outcast and not achieve or not you know be someone that produces certain results so I think it was just something that was imposed from a young age and and I guess you know the the intention was probably not to put me in a position where I don't know how to deal with 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 failure um, mm. I, I think it was just something big for the families and various people so because you know my my performance at school and and you know the awards and all of those things I got people made a big deal about it I made it a big thing about myself. I made it a big part of myself such mm. that I didn't see myself outside of the achievements because mm. I felt that the only time I seemed to get attention was when it was the <laughs> achievements, the marks, the distinctions, etc. So mm. that subconsciously became what I lived for mm. and what My I did. Entity. And it became the why behind why I spent so much time studying and you know, mm. applying for bursaries and all of these things. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, having started the, the therapy journey, you know, one of the, I remember waking up one day and it was one of those mornings where I felt like, oh, I should have woken up earlier. And I was beating myself up about it. I was already having a sour morning, five minutes into the morning. <laughs> and I remember God saying, I don't beat you up the way you beat yourself up. Mm. I, I just remember those words and hmm. I felt, I felt a huge weight off of my shoulders, Wow! you know, and, and I thought if, if God is, is not holding me to, to, if, if I'm the hmm. one that's pushing me to this high standard and God hmm. isn't, God hmm. is more after my heart, hmm. then we need to change this whole thing, right? Hmm. Like, hmm. why am I pushing to have to do things a certain, you know, a certain time, hmm. a certain way on whose calendar, hmm. 
So a, a very good friend of mine once said, you need to give yourself permission for certain things. And I've had to learn that. Mm. I've had to give myself permission to go to bed earlier and say, mm. I don't have to solve this before I go to sleep. <laughs> if I don't, it's okay, right? Yeah. I've put in my best and, and it's okay. I don't have to have finished this. Yes, we need to have goals, but I think, yes. you know, just the navigating your approach, that's more the, 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 the important element to it. And, mm. and Kennedy and I, I know you call her best, we always have this conversation where she thinks, you know, she's she's just trying to get to a point where she's saving a bit more, investing a bit more. And I'm always saying to her, I'm trying to meet you halfway and not be as strict on myself and actually mm. save and invest, but enjoy. Mm. So 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 that's how the, the 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 failure part of it also came into my finances, where I felt like I set very high standards, mm. you know, and I got to a point one day where I felt like I'm working so hard, I'm mm. young. I'm not enjoying the fruits of my labor. Why? Mm. So, so that's, I've had to make a lot of changes along the way um, to have a healthy relationship with things like money, time, have a healthy relationship with time. That is important. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, I love what you're saying as to how um, a lot of this also has to do with identity, where you begin to define yourself through your achievements, especially what... Yeah people begin to project on you. And outside that, it's hard for you to find yourself. And as yeah. you grow, this begins to, and I'm glad that you are intentional about dealing with it and confronting it, which, which is where health lies. That's amazing. Yeah. I had said at the top of the podcast episode um, that you actually had studied, you actually mentioned as well that you, during the COVID first outbreak, you were in Oxford studying. Please do share with us some of the leadership transitions that you've made that have landed you where you currently are in your journey? Yeah, so you know, how I ended up in Oxford, I think that's also a leadership conversation on its <laughs> own around you know, having the necessary support structure that challenges you. So hmm. I had been thinking about Oxford for a, I think for a while, I had been thinking about the MBA for a while. Hmm. But to me, I thought, yo, if I do it full-time and I do it internationally, where am I going to get the resources? Am I just going to leave my life here in SA, pick up my bags and go? So I, I, I didn't have that perspective. And I felt like it was going to be a lot more demanding. Hmm. So then I started looking at online MBAs. Um, I was speaking to a, a boss of mine at the time. He's actually my boss currently. But no, then he was my key stakeholder. And I shared with him these frustrations. And he said, no, do it properly. Go to Oxford, do it full time. Um, and just having that nudge, you know, that person that says, why aren't you doing it the right way? Like, <laughs> you want to go to Oxford, stop making up excuses. If you need financing, I'm sure the company can fund you. And, wow. and you know, having that type of support for me was a game changer. So getting to Oxford, there were about 330 uh, people in my class from all over the world. Mm. Um, there was about 10% Africans. So not only South Africans, but we had Nigerians, people from Ghana um, and in other African countries. Mm. And you get there. And one thing that all of us were actually dealing with that we didn't realize was imposter syndrome. Everyone yeah. felt as though <laughs> the other person is smarter. The other person mm. is more deserving. Mm. And it's only in the second term, like three months later, where we all started sharing. And we we're like, oh, so you went through that. You were also <laughs> going through that. So we were all <laughs> going through this thing. Uh, um, so, so, so just that, that, that openness and, and having conversations in a very 
unfamiliar environment, I think that's key for leadership. Um, mm. And that's key for someone who ends up in leadership because at any point in time, an opportunity comes up and you might need to speak to someone in a different time zone, someone who's from a different continent mm. and, and, and just that approach is, is critical. So, mm. you know, being on the MBA alone has really taught me just to be open-minded in, in my thinking and, and how to learn about various things from <laughs> around the world. I made friends with, with different people from different countries. So I definitely got to learn a lot on the countries themselves and the cultures. Um, you know, I think more than anything, how the MBA has um, transformed my career. So I came back um, 2020, October, Mm. Um, I, so I, I was funded by Rand Merchant Bank, so they gave me a bursary, so I had to go back to Rand Merchant Bank, <laughs> but I took a bit of time to obviously just, you know, find the right role and make sure that I'm in the right role. That was critical mm. for me, mm. um, to, to end up in the right role. I was very intentional about the mm. role being about strategic execution. I love mm. bringing things to life and making things happen. And mm. I love sort of. I love taking an idea and making it a reality. And that's pretty much what you do when you're executing on a strategy. Mm. Um, you know, so a lot of it is just driving and, you know, getting people together, influencing and, and facilitating. And, and mostly I wanted to get into the forming strategy part of it. So mm. um, I, I would like to believe that the MBA equipped me to, to think at that level. Um, mm. I think it gave me a level of boldness that I didn't have, you mm. know, to, to, to come up with a role that I was definitely way above me, but a role mm. that I saw myself aspiring into and really growing in. Um, so as you introduced me at the beginning, um, so I'm currently the strategic lead for, for the invest business at RMB. Mm. And um, so when I came back from the MBA, I did strategic projects for a few months and then mm. I got appointed as the strategic lead um wow. I think September last year so this is mm. a very recent this is a very recent um role so it, it's it's definitely helped me in 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 just thinking broadly mm. about how you know companies work how we work as a financial services group how I engage you know the MBA empowered us in in in, in all levels it's not just about the 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 technical stuff it really was about you know, how do you think outside of an environment that you're not familiar with? How do you talk climate mm. change? And you've never really read anything on climate change. How do you talk um, um, diversity and inclusion? And this is not a topic that you are not as well-versed in. How do you approach that? You are asked as a leader to lead on this thing or to drive this thing. How do you approach that? Do mm. you ask friends? Do you read up? Do you like, do you have maybe principles that you always tap into that help you in any environment? Um, so mm. it's definitely helped me to approach people, approach situations um, and, and just lead myself more than anything. That's amazing. Um, thank you so much for, for, for sharing that. Maybe the last question I'm going to ask, um, we are definitely going to be doing part two of this conversation, um, cool. which, which, which I'm really excited for. So I'm going to ask you the last question and then we'll carry over the remainder of, because um, it's quite a lot that you can pour with us into part two of this phenomenal conversation that we're having. You spoke about having an imposter syndrome that you felt um, when, and predominantly most of you guys reflected um, afterwards, after three months, how did you break out of it? 
So yeah, imposter syndrome is 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 quite hard. A, a lot of what many young people battle with is is all here. Mm. Um, and I I had to obviously backtrack a bit and say, how did I get here? Mm. You know, I I don't have an uncle in Oxford. Um, I don't have an aunt. No one in my family has even traveled to the UK. So I I had to apply. I had to hmm. put together an application form. I had to get references. I had to have interviews. So I worked to get you. And hmm. and it's important to to validate yourself, right? You you are you are a hard worker, and and you've worked hard. Hmm. You've gotten here. Embrace that. Acknowledge that hmm. about yourself. And it it doesn't mean that hmm. you know you have a big head and you're thinking too highly of yourself, but. It really means that it's it's a fact. There are certain facts that mm. we can't argue from. You worked hard. You got your your name was there, and I believe God was also working in the background, and He was you know making certain connections and making yes. things happen. But you you were not sleeping, and the opportunity came to you. And and those are the types of conversations mm. that I've had to have with myself to overcome imposter syndrome. Um, in that someone saw me, and they think I deserve to be in this committee, and I'm here. You know, someone, um, you know, has worked with me in the past couple of years. They believe I can deliver. That's why they put my name down on this project. So it's really going back to the Mm. fact and saying, you know, acknowledge how you got here and and, and Mm. to yourself and start having these conversations with yourself. So that's how, that's mm. what definitely helped um, on, on my side. But, you know, one thing that's really linked to imposter syndrome is this thing of being the only one of something. Mm. You know, in so many mm. environments at work, especially, you end up being the only one. You're the only mm. young person. You're the only female. Only female. You're the only black person. Mm. In my case, you are the only young black female. So that's like, you know, that's just, <laughs> bundled up all together right yeah and and these are mental and psychological barriers that people have to get through we don't really talk about these things right Mm. being the only person under Mm. 40 in Mm. my meeting it doesn't really change how the Mm. meeting could turn around but it says something you know Mm. and how i internalize Mm. it it could either affect my delivery of the job in, in a good way or it wouldn't necessarily add anything at all but these are things that we mm. need to be aware of you know um and mm. and i think you know imposter syndrome is i think for me it it also brings up this thing of being the only one and how we respond to it internally within ourselves when we realize that yo i am the only black person here <laughs> um and and how do i navigate this is, is it a matter of navigation should you worry about are you worried about it is it something that you are constantly thinking about mm. and you've made to be so huge that it's stopping you from actually thinking about the actual work that needs mm. to get done mm. so yeah it's it's a it's a big topic um <laughs> probably deserves a podcast on its own but yeah i, I think the self-talk and and just acknowledging facts definitely helps yeah that's brilliant i think you've really done quite in the short time that you had um you've done qualitative and qualitative work in terms of speaking to the imposter syndrome i love how you spoke to the importance of acknowledging how you got there and i think oftentimes we 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 tend to see ourselves as grasshoppers as uh, scripture would um, say 
and mm. not understand that it really took a lot for one to get their sacrifice, hard work, and being willing to really own it and understand yeah. if I'm the first person and I'm the only person in the room, chances are there's something I did that caused me to have access. So I deserve and controlling that uh, internal narrative and self-talk is very important. And that's why we spoke uh, earlier to self-awareness being important because the conversations you have with yourself are extremely key and extremely important. For example, for those people of faith, um, I spoke to the Israelites seeing themselves as grasshoppers. Nobody told them they're grasshoppers. It was yeah. just their own self-inferiority and being the so and that literally compromised the majority of them from literally entering into the promised land. And yeah. how many times do we miss out on opportunities simply because we talk ourselves down? and overlook the great work and the strides that we've made. So thank you so much, Kati, uh, uh, for really sharing and just speaking more of your journey. I'm so excited for part two of this podcast episode, and we'll speak more to bringing your ideas to reality. Um, we'll tap into your strategic brain, and because we have a lot of ideas that we have, and I'd really love for us to have a conversation on the grid that one can use to translate good ideas into practical reality and ideas that are sustainable and profitable. So thank you so much. And to you, podcast family, uh, do remember to head over to www.mzwandilemakakula.com to be able to download the episode notes, which are a great tool for application. And do share the word, share it with your um teams um this is really helpful content and do remember to rate review uh, tag us on your social media platforms um cat what's your social media handles if you are on social so media i am on social so i'm on linkedin and instagram only so i'm on a facebook or twitter um instagram i am kati k-a-t-i underscore shaise h-l-a-i-s-e so that's instagram and then linkedin i'm katekan shaise Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you happen to see it, we'll possibly repost and be able to engage there. Till we meet again next time, continue to take your lead. Well, thank you for joining us on Take Your Lead Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get new episodes delivered directly to your device as soon as we release the new episode. And for show notes on today's episode and on previous episodes, just go to www.mzwandilemakakula.com. And if you are a fan of the show, we would love it if you'd give us a review and help us spread the word. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Take Your Lead Podcast.